Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A dot com. Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you this afternoon. Lee, this is going to be a marvelous show. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, COO with Workout Anytime, Mr. Mark DeGorder. Good afternoon, sir. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, Mark, before we get too far into things, tell us about Workout Anytime. How are you serving, folks? We um, we have 175 franchise clubs across the country. We're located uh, predominantly here in the southeast, and we've grown concentrically outward uh, into Kentucky, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Florida, um, Alabama, and, and Texas as recently as last year. We kind of made some great inroads there. We go as far northeast as Portland, Maine, and as far northwest as Portland, Oregon. Um, and again, looking for opportunities as we kind of expand throughout the country, beginning here in, in Georgia. Now, what's the offering to the consumer? Uh, what What's the Workout Anytime experience like? Yeah, we're part of what they, they call the HVLP segment, which stands for high value, low price. So we occupy that uh, sub $30 a month dues rate. And uh, what's really exciting about this, this segment of business is um, – Back when I got in the industry, gosh, 30 years ago, um, the, the product that you would get um, that we're offering would be upwards of $50, $60, $70 a month. And what's happened now is, is this particular segment, because of the very strong price-value relationship, has just gone, been very, very successful. In fact, it's, it's in the last reported um, research by the URSA Group, which is our industry trade association, our segment grew 69% compared to about 30% for the higher-end boutiques and only about 2% for those mid-market guys. So there's the consumers are getting behind it. They're recognizing that you don't have to pay a lot of money for basic uh, gym access, and we're filling that need with um, what we like to call the best pound-for-pound workout in the industry. We, we just provide fitness. We just provide results. We, we kind of position ourselves as a results-oriented fitness facility as opposed to some of our other competitors that are more along the lines of inclusion and, and you know, that type of approach. We believe people work out and embark on a fitness journey because they want to get results, and, and we really push that. But we don't do the things that end up costing clubs a lot of money but don't really deliver a consumer benefit. For example, saunas and pools and daycare centers and those things that are perceived as being important, but at the end of the day, when you really get down to it, take up a lot of space and don't get used that much. So we don't really focus on that. We just outfit a 6,500 to 8,000 square foot facility with about a half a million dollars of fitness equipment. And by doing so, we, we've got a great value for our member. Now, has the member kind of profile changed over time? Uh, because I would think that in today's market, you have... Um, you know, there's people that are attracted to kind of these boutique, high-intensity workouts, very specific workouts, whether it be spin or Pilates or, um, 
you know, just really even rowing now. I saw a, a club that's only rowing. Like, the, it's insane to me. But there's somebody out there doing that. Um, and there's so much competition with home, you know, home gym stuff that's becoming um, more popular. Uh, how do you kind of fit into the marketplace? Well, you're absolutely right about that. Um, actually, it, it, I'll answer the question by saying yes and no. And, and I'll say no in that, um, you know, over the years, gosh, going back to the 70s, um, you know, the, the staples in the business were free weights cardiovascular equipment like treadmills and bikes and what we call selectorized equipment, which are machines that you put the pin in and some other form of something back in the seventies, eighties, it was jazzercise and then it became aerobic dance and then it became funk aerobics and step aerobics and TRX and Zumba. And, and really as those programs have evolved over time, the one constant has been, you know, progressive resistance exercise, cardiovascular and free weights. And that's part of the reason, part of the reason behind that is consumers are always looking for something new to shake up their fitness regimen. But our staple business has really been in place for 50 years and we expect that to be for another 50 years. Now, having said that, you're exactly right. Um, what's happened now is, is the industry went through a huge boom in the eighties where you know, I was a young man then and, and kind of led, my generation led that. And here we are now, you know, coming into 2020, and my generation is on the other end of the continuum. Um, but everybody behind us is also working out. Whereas when I was younger, certainly my dad was not a member of the gym, nor were a lot of people that were older than me. So what's happened is you've got a broader base of people that have embraced exercise as a lifestyle. So you have more people into the category than ever before. And and each of them, you know, wanting to do something a little bit different. I certainly work out differently today than I did in my 20s. And what we're seeing is uh, this this movement to um, kind of a, a basket collection of fitness, whether it be spinning or CrossFit or Orange Theory or other HIT programs, has really been driven by the millennials who are looking to um, not really commit themselves to one gym at the absence of other things that they like to do. They like to do different different types of activities. And that really benefits us because at the low price uh, offering that, w- that we are, um, we can they can fit us into their share of wallet, if you will, of fitness concepts and still get, you know, the different things that they're looking for along with the more traditional exercise programs that we offer. The other thing that's really interesting, and, and we've seen the industry move from about 15% participation of Americans that really was in place for decades to most recently moving up to 20%. Part of that is what I just explained, but the other part is uh, with with the way the healthcare system is going in the United States, it's forcing people to take more responsibility for their health. And one of the ways to do that is to lower your your premiums. And the only way to do that is by increasing your deductible, meaning you don't use the medical system quite as much. And the only way you can do that, of course, is to stay healthy. So there's a lot of things that are moving. And again, to continue on that thought, which you mentioned, which is this movement into home, the advent of uh, the replication of of a group exercise environment at home through new concepts like Peloton or Mirror or Tonal, uh, that's really exploded, and, and that's been really a product of kind of advancements in artificial intelligence and, and different types of digital applications. 
which have allowed people to get a boutique or studio type experience in a solitary environment. So it's a pretty interesting time to be in our business. There's a lot of different things that are driving it. And, you know, we like to say that we're, we're pretty simple. We, uh, we just provide a gym. We, we keep things simple. We provide a great experience for a low price and help our members, you know, on a results-based journey to get in the best shape of their lives. Well, I think that that's a key differentiator that you care that your member um, gets results because a lot of gyms, at least back in the day, they cared more about getting members than they did of the members actually using the gym. So do you put things in place using technology that helps the gym member kind of get the most out of their membership? Because you are, you're, what you're offering is an affordable way to get the foundational exercise that a person needs. And if they want to spice it up with one of these boutiques or high intensity, they have that ability to, because you're, you're offering is so affordable. Right. And we see that happening uh, all the time. We've many of our members are members of um, multiple facilities. In fact, the industry at large, 25% of health club members are now uh, members of multiple facilities. And of course, as I mentioned a moment ago, we enjoy that because we can provide that. But um, on a technology standpoint, you're right. We it's interesting. You know, traditionally clubs have really just looked at what their acquisition numbers were. And they weren't necessarily focused a whole lot on retention because people just kept coming in the front door. And there's always been a certain amount of uh, churn or cancellations that have taken place in the industry. And along came the recession in 2006, 2007, and clubs started realizing that people weren't coming in the front door, but they hadn't done a whole lot to protect the back door through retention programs, and they really started to suffer. You know, we place an equal emphasis on member acquisition by providing a nice, safe, clean club, and retention. As a matter of fact, it's, 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 it's two sides of the same coin to us. And the, the technology that we have been using is a member satisfaction platform that's called MXM. It's a, a program that you know, some of the biggest brands in the world use, from Apple to Mercedes-Benz to Delta Airlines and Four Seasons. And that allows us to measure our member satisfaction levels using things like net promoter scores and the like. And, and we've seen a direct correlation in the clubs in our system that have very high member satisfaction scores as reported through that platform and, and low, low, low cancellation rates. And, and we really, again, that becomes a very critical part of our business. And we spend a lot of time making sure that if our members are being surveyed and they're giving us back some concerns, they were very quick to address those concerns. And what we found is, you know, oftentimes you can take a negative situation and turn it into a positive just by empathizing with the members' concerns and addressing them. And, and in most cases, they're valid. We get right on top of it. So it's kind of a under-the-hood technology, if you will. On the, on the front end, yeah, we're, you know, we're a smaller gym with, you know, lower price points. So we've always been looking at ways in which we can optimize the labor part of our business. And, and I don't mean by shortchanging our member and losing that touch. But, for example, we're experimenting now with guided workouts um, in the clubs using digital screens, uh, from, uh, primarily for those periods of time when our clubs are not staffed, but we're a 24-hour gym. So providing a service, which is you know a follow-along group exercise class on a digital screen, that can take place at two o'clock in the morning for those members that are using the gym at that time and want 
you want that additional benefit. You don't want to just serve the members that can use our gym during normal business hours. We also want to use technology to provide a tremendous experience for our members that are using the club after our staff has gone home. Yeah, well, you almost have to when any time's in your name. So I would imagine that <laughs> right that's a good that. idea. So now <laughs> let's talk about your franchisees. Um, what do they look like? Are they fitness people? Are they people that have a portfolio of franchise brands and they're adding you to their portfolio or these kind of first timers? Who, who do you have as a franchisee right now? You know, it's really all of those. What we do is um, we break our typical franchise partner into what we call uh, five different personas. And, you know, certainly at the top of the list are people from the health and fitness industry. Typically, um, it's a, a good, strong number two person at a gym who wants to be their own boss. And one of the benefits of our franchise model versus others in our space is we've got a lot lower cost of entry. Um, our franchise fees are pretty consistent, but our build-outs are quite a bit less. So you can get into a workout anytime facility for a lot less than you could with some of our other competitors. So the number two person, we provide an affordable option for them to be their own boss. Beyond that, uh, we kind of uh, categorize our groups into what I call business 2.0 people, which could be the, the guy that uh, is at the end of his career, wants to cash in his Pepsi stock options and, you know, kind of give back to the community and be his own boss and, and do that. Um, we're seeing a lot of movement from the healthcare industry, particularly the rehab industry, physical therapists and the like. And even, uh, even beyond that, more from the medical profession. And these people are looking at ways in which they can, you know, cover the care continuum to a much greater degree. They're certainly focused on the, um, on the treatment side. And they want to get involved in the prevention side so that they can manage all of that for all the reasons I had mentioned a moment ago with respect to the healthcare industry. So we're seeing a lot of those people come into our space. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, serial entrepreneurs, you know, guys and gals that have just managed different types of businesses and they roll us into their portfolio. And then finally, the fifth group are multi-unit people, uh, typically from the quick serve restaurant industry that understand franchising. They've got an infrastructure that can support it. Um, they're looking for maybe a an easier uh, business to manage without quite so many moving parts as you would in a restaurant. I can explain those differences here in a moment if you want. But they plug us into their infrastructure, their administrative and marketing infrastructure, and they know what they're doing. So we see a lot of that taking place too. So I think that there are really no specific demographics, Lee. I think it's Really, we look for people that enjoy being around other people. They've got a passion for helping people, you know, change their lives for the better. And those are the people, regardless of what industry or what age they're from, that seem to do the best in our network. Now, um, how, how was it at the beginning? Were you, um, at the beginning when you're just getting started and you have, you're in the fitness industry where there's lots and lots of competitors, how did you kind of get that escape velocity? Well, actually, I joined the company about four years ago, um, and we we celebrated our 20th anniversary last year. So, um, but going back to the very beginning, uh, the two founders, Steve Strickland and John Quatroki, started here in Atlanta, actually in Douglasville, and they they basically built a club that was that was back in the day where the the key card clubs were really kind of taking off, and they they did the same thing. They offered a, a 
a club that was open 24 hours for $24 a month. And it was incredibly successful. That club was located in and amongst some of the strongest competitive brands in the Atlanta market. And uh, at the end of the first year, they had something like $800,000 in receivables. So they knew they were onto something. So they opened up some more clubs on their own and then realized that, like many franchisors, this is a concept that could be franchised. And they set about franchising it. They moved into Tennessee, and then they, they moved into other markets from there. Um, I joined the company, as I said, four years ago. We had about 67 clubs. We're now up to 175 clubs with another almost 100 in the pipeline for a build-out in the future. So and I think part of the reason why it's been successful is um, it's it's a simple business to operate. It's not easy. You've got to you know, you've got to be willing to put the work in. But when you think about it, very little of our our businesses is cash based. In fact, about 98% of our business is conducted either through a credit card or a bank debit. So you don't have cash to worry about. There's really no inventory, unlike a restaurant or or other types of retail outlets. Um, it's got a very low labor component relative to other gyms in our space. So it was a very simple model to replicate. And our specialization really has been in smaller markets. Um, we do very, very well in some of the markets that um, that aren't the big suburban areas. As a matter of fact, um, when our development team brings me an idea from a for a prospect and I don't recognize the market, <laughs> I know it's probably going to be. That's a, a good, good one, one, right? That you're like, nice work. That's exactly Some where we want best, to be. Our best clubs in the country are in markets you probably have never heard of, like you know Morganton, North Carolina, and Cookville, Tennessee, and places like that. So we do really well because we look for hometown heroes in a local community. That's one of the differentiators between us and others is we don't sell entire states to private equity. We really believe the success of our concept is based on creating a cheers-like environment in our clubs that are locally owned where you'll see the owner walking through the club. Many of our competitors, you, know, you just will never see the owner at the club at all. Um, but we pride ourselves in the fact that we're locally owned. There's a higher degree of care and, and passion that's coming from those owners. And, it, and in our business, when we're talking about changing people's lives through results, that becomes a really important attribute to the owner of the facility. So personal accountability for the owner is just as important as to the member. Absolutely. And, and, and actually, we, we, we uh, aggressively seek that out. You know, we really don't want people that are going to buy a franchise and hand the keys over to somebody else to run because you don't have that level of commitment. And fortunately, you know, we've been successful in finding those people in those smaller markets based on the personas I mentioned a moment ago that are just fired up about, you know, interacting with their members every day. They get to know them, their their spouses, you know, where they work, where their kids go to school, when they go on vacation. And that means a lot to our members because they don't just want to go into a gym. Despite the fact you see people going in there and it could be a time of solitary experience with their headphones, they want to know that you that you care about them and that you're interested in their results. And those are the people that work best for us. Now, um, over the years, has the level of support that you offer kind of evolved uh, as well as this uh, franchise has grown? Yeah, I think it has in, in a couple of different areas. First, you know, it, it, it's grown in that we've, 
what we do as a franchisor and, and the, the relationship that we create with our franchise partners is really kind of codependent. We like to say, you know, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. What I mean by that is we provide kind of the overarching air cover surrounding what I call the four pillars, which is a unique and proven product, which we believe we have, marketing that creates an emotional connection with the, with the consumer, which we strive to do, training that meets the member or the uh, franchise partner where they want to be met, and finally, the, the business systems, the kind of connective tissue that gives them actionable information to make decisions. Now, that really hasn't changed over the years. What has changed is the level of technology available to make some of that stuff more efficient. So what was the biggest change that we've seen over the last probably decade is the advent of more technology to do the job that paper and pencil have done traditionally. And we utilize all those tools from you know, managing and, and, and measuring our social media to actually placing advertising locally through artificial intelligence engines that actually learn the over time the, the greater ROI is, for example, a combination of this ad on this platform and gets smarter that way. Um, our CRM systems have become much more sophisticated in our ability to manage people through the entire sales pipeline and sales cycle. So a lot of the same stuff which is done now, you know, with technology. And of course, you know, we're dealing with mostly young people as our associates who are absolutely comfortable with conducting business on a mobile phone or a, or a tablet and have no, as a matter of fact, paper and pencil is pretty foreign to them. So it allows our franchise partners at the enterprise level to see what's going on in their gyms and to manage that business from acquisition through retention right off of a laptop or a tablet if they want to. I think that's probably been the biggest the biggest change. At the end of the day, you're still touching people. You're still, um, again, interested in their results. It's all the under-the-hood stuff that just simplifies it or makes it more efficient that we're starting to see. So now what's the process for a, a potential franchisee who wants to learn more about the workout anytime? business? What are, what are the steps? So assuming that they know about us, and, and like like everybody, we, we spend money to reach those people that we believe would be ideal candidates for our business. Um, typically, what will happen is they'll come to our website, which is www.workoutanytimefranchising.com. There they can um, understand who we are culturally, you know, the story of the business, maybe some of the industry information that will help them evaluate our concept versus perhaps others that they're looking at, whether it be, again, uh, restaurants or home care or the different types of options. And then from there, they can fill out an application right there on the website, or they can call uh, a number that's indicated on the website and speak to any of our development uh, professionals. And that's how the process begins. And what we'll typically do from there is once um, a candidate has indicated strong interest, we bring them into our offices here in Alpharetta and we conduct a discovery day. We try and do those individually because, again, we're we're very interested in establishing a relationship with our franchise partner. These are 15-year franchise terms, so it's a, a long marriage, and we want to make sure that, uh, that we're right for them and they're right for us. So we'll spend a day with them, getting to know them, getting to know who they are, the kind of people they are, their business goals and objectives, and show them some of our clubs. And from there, like 
like everybody else, they'll go through a validation process where we'll introduce them to other franchisees. We'll let them select who they want to talk to. We really don't try and steer them any given way. And um, over time, we found that in, in most cases, um, that usually results in a relationship with that candidate and they move from candidates to a franchise partner. Good stuff, Mark. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share the Work at Anytime story with you. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio.